0: الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى the four imams we did الإمام أبو حنيفة الإمام مالك الإمام الشافعي since we only have one imam left, we're going to do it today, inshallah ta'ala. And the last of the four imams is who? Al-Imam Ahmed, Ibn Hanbal. And the way that I plan, بإذن Allah al-Kareem, to go through Al-Imam Ahmed is in these five steps, inshallah ta'ala. These five steps are the way that I'm going to go through Imam Ahmed's biography and also his madhab. Okay? First of all, as we always do, we speak in a summarized, abridged manner. We speak about the Imam himself. So here we're going to be speaking about who? Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. And the way that I'm going to be speaking about Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal is in two ways. When I talk about the biography of Al-Imam Ahmed, I'm going to be speaking about him in two ways. The first one is Hayatul Shakhsiyyah, his personal life. I will be mentioning that inshaAllah ta'ala. And the second one is Hayatul Ilmiyyah, which is his academic achievements, his educational background. And that's the one I'm going to focus more on, inshaAllah. The second, inshaAllah ta'ala, is Telamidhu, the students of Imam Muhammad ibn Hanbal. And Imam Muhammad has hundreds of students, but I can't go through all of them. So I've chosen to mention these five. The first one being Abu Bakr al marudi The second one is Al-Muhanna ibn Yahya al-Shami. And the third is Abu Bakr al-Asram. And the fourth one is Harb ibn Ismail al-Karmani. And the fifth one is Ibrahim ibn Ishaq al-Harbi. Rahimahullah. Those are the five prominent students of al uh, Ahmed whose names you will come across in books of hadith you will come across the third inshallah is some of the stages of the madhab of Imam Muhammad ibn Hanbal and what, is, what does Imam Muhammad's madhab stand on what are its foundations which it, what are its foundations which it stands on And there are three insha'Allah ta'ala The first one is Aqwaluhu fil kutub The statements of Al-Imam Ahmed That you find In well-known books And these books are generally called Masailu Ahmed Questions that were put to Imam Ahmed So you go to those kind of books Masailu Ahmed Questions that were put to Imam Ahmed That's the first source in the madhab of the Hanabila. Are we all together, brothers? The questions that were asked to Imam Ahmed and the answers that he gave, alayhi rahmatullahi. The second one is, Ahmed's speeches, they're going to be taken and they're going to be applied in different situations now. Are we all together, brothers? Incidents that he himself, Ahmed, did not give a verdict for, but they will take that fatwa of his. And they would apply it in other places. And we spoke about the issue of Takhreed, what it means, right? We mentioned it when we were speaking about Madhhab al-Hambali. The third one is Ijtihadat. ulama al-Madhhab. The hanabila They have scholars who do Ijtihad within the madhab. Who do what? They do Ijtihad. And we mentioned some of those I'mas who were well known to do Ijtihad and they are the mujtahideen of the madhab and they are called the muhaqqiqeen we'll touch on who they are and their names insha'Allah ta'ala number four ahamul muallafati fi al madhabi al-hanbali the most prominent the most well-known books in the hanbali madhab there are many books but we're going to mention the most important ones but if you want to study madhabul Imam ahmad rahimahullah then this insha'Allah ta'ala is what? The books that you should try to buy in order to in order to study the madhab. Last but not least, istirahatil halabila. Halabila have they have istilahat They have terms which they use amongst themselves. Okay? What are these terms? What do they mean to them? And this we did for all of the madhabs, right? So, the istilahat is terminologies that are used by the scholars of the madhab. And you will never be able to read a madhab book if you don't understand their istilahat, their terminologies. Are we all together, brothers? Let's start with the biography of Al Imam Ahmed Ibn Hanbal, Rahimahullah. First of all, an Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, he is Madahib al He is the four of the four famous, well known Imams of the Madhab, right? He's the last of the four, right? The first one is an Imam Abu Harifa. and the second one is an Imam Malik, and the third one is an Imam Shafi'i, and the fourth one is Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Imam Muhammad ibn Hambal. Imam Muhammad ibn Hambal is the last of the four. He's the last of the four. Imam Ahmed, his name is Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Hambal. His name is Ahmed. His father's name is Muhammad. Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Hambal. So he's called Ahmed. His father is called what? Muhammad. And his granddad is called what? Hambal. And his great-granddad is called Shayban. So his name is Ahmed. Ibn Muhammad. Ibn Shayban. So he's Shaybaniyun, he's known as. His kunya is Abu Abdullah, because he had a son called Abdullah. But Abdullah wasn't the oldest of his sons. He wasn't the oldest. I think Salah was older than him. Like Abdullah is from his sons. And the most knowledgeable from his children. Abdullah. And Imam Ahmed, he never got married until he reached 40. zawaj. He felt there was a need to do that. Ta'ala. Because he wanted to free his mind and his heart for knowledge. And it was mentioned... That when his wife passed away, Ahmed married the next day. She died, the next day he got married. It's mentioned in his biography. So, that Alibabu Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala. He was born when the year was 164 hijriya. He was born in the month of Rabi' al-awwal. When the year was 164 hijriya. And some said, no, it wasn't Rabir al-Awwal, it's actually Rabir al-Akhir. It is. Rabir al-Akhir is the one he was born. I'm al-Akhir. Imam Ahmed, an Imam in Hadith. Imam Ahmed is an imam in hadith, number one. Write that down. He's an imam in Hadith. He is also imam في Sunnah, And we already mentioned the difference between the two. He's an Imamun fil Hadith, meaning Salā'atul Hadithiyya, the concept of Hadith, authenticating, weakening narrations, the science of Hadith. He was an Imam in that science. And he was also Imamun fil Sunnah. Imamun al Sunnah means he was an Imam in the Aqid of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah. Walidalika, he is called Imamu Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah. Ahmad was called. What was he called? Imam Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah. And he was also Imamun fil fiqh. Are you with me, brothers? As for Imam Ahmed being Imam fil hadith, it's a mahallu ijma'. It's a consensus that he's an Imamun in hadith. As for him being an Imam fil sunnah, it's also mahallu ijma'. According to Ahl Sunnah, that he's an Imam in sunnah. There's no khilaf amongst Ahl Sunnah regarding Imam Ahmed's Imamah in sunnah. Like there are people who questioned. Al-Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, he's imamah in fiqh. And they are, Man la They are people we don't give a look to them. In that statement regarding Ahmed. And we will respond to that, inshallah ta'ala, that he was an imamun fil fiqh. Ahmed was an imamun fil fiqh. The reason why, his teachers, not his students only, but his teachers, they affirm that for him. Are we all together, brothers? His teachers, who were agreed by the scholars to be fuqaha, they said Ahmed is a faqih. So, what does that make Ahmed a faqih? A imamun fil fiqh. So, we say that he is an imamun fil fiqh. And he has qasabu sabq. He is at the forefront when it comes to fiqh. Rahimahullah ta'ala. As for those who said Imam Ahmed he's a muhadith he's only a scholar of hadith and it is not what we give way to. And you know why they said that the reason why they said that Imam Ahmed is a muhadith and he's not a faqih is because whenever he was asked a question he would always say then he would mention a chain of narration for it. Everything Ahmed said what would he say? He would mention a chain of narration for it. I Meaning he wouldn't say something except if he had a hadith for it. And so they said he's a muhadith. Laysa And that is not correct. Great scholars affirmed for him. Admitted that he's an imam. Let's take some of those imams. Imams who were imams in fiqh number one إبراهيم الحربي 285 إبراهيم الحربي إبراهيم الحربي إذا إمام في الفقه he said أدركت ثلاثة I met three people what did I mean I met three people تعجز النساء women are unable أن يلدن مثلهم Mothers are unable to give birth to the likes of them. Three people I met. Mothers are unable to give birth to the likes of them. First one is, Aba I saw Aba Ubaid. I met Abu Ubaid and I could not Give a, a parable, an example of him, except a mountain that it was blown into him a life. Meaning, he's a mountain. He doesn't move in his knowledge and his understanding. Second person is I met Bishri bin al Harith. And there was no parable, example I could give to this great Imam. Except a person who from the tip of his head to the tip of his toes. Allah filled it with akal, smart individual. Ahmad ibn and I saw Imam Ahmad ibn Hambal. and what I saw was qad ilm al Allah combined in this man The knowledge of the early people That's what I saw Everything he would say What he wanted And he would leave off what he wanted I mean He had the ability to speak about anything Imam Muhammad. And he would speak as much as he wanted And he could hold back from it As much as he wanted It wasn't that when he held back It was lack of ability to say more. He could say more if he wanted to. But he just felt to be quiet about it. That's his knowledge. Imam Ahmed was said that he memorized one million hadith. That's how it was. A million hadith with his chain. Ahmed memorized it. Rahimahullah. And Ibn al-Qayyim said, Walaw aradtu, if I wanted to, I believe Ahmed had memorized more than that. Ibn al-Qayyim said this. Abu Ubaid, who I just mentioned who died in 224 Hijriya he said Rabbaniyul Hadith The Rabbani are the the godly scholars. Allah what did He in the Quran Wakunu be scholars who nurture the people and cultivate them in the way that please Allah. Allah told us to be like that. Ahmed, sorry, uh, Abu Rabedi said that the Rabbaniyu of Hadith, those who cultivate the people accordingly are for and from those four, فَأَعْلَمُوا بِالْحَلَالِ وَالْحَرَامِ أَحْمَدِ From the four, the one who knew the most in the halal and the haram, which is what? Fiqh, right? That's Fiqh. The most knowledgeable one of them was who? Ahmed ibn Hanbal. That's a testimony from who? That's a shahada from who? Imam Abu Ubaid Qasim Abdul Razak al-Sala'ani who said, Who's the teacher of Imam Ahmed? He said what I ever afqa." I never saw anyone who had more fiqh who had more fiqh and I never saw anyone who stayed away from doubtful issues mean Ahmed ibn Hanbal than Imam Muhammad ibn Hanbal Imam Al-Shafi'i, he said about him, Imam who? Imam Al-Shafi'i He said, Baghdad and I want you guys to understand Shafi'i's time, Ahmed was young. And this was Ahmed before he even went to Egypt and built the new Madhab. Men- and we all together, brothers. What did he say? Kharajtu bin Baghdad. Shafi'i said, I left Baghdad. Because who was his student in Baghdad? We mentioned it yesterday. In Baghdad, Al Karabisi, Abu Thawr Ahmed ibn Muhammad, Ishaq ibn Rahuya, all of these were the students of Imam Shafi'i. In where? In Iraq, Baghdad. He said, to be Baghdad. So, all of his students, Al Hassan bin Muhammad Zafarani as well, all of them, I left them in Egypt. Uh, sorry, in Baghdad. I never left a man behind. Afbala, more virtuous. Wala alama, more knowledgeable. Wala Afqaha and has more fiqh. Wala atkaha, has more taqwa. Min Ahmed Yabni Hambel. Dele Alima Muhammad bin Hambel. How many things did he say? He said, أَفْضَلَ more VIRTUOUS أَعْلَمَ more knowledgeable. أفقها. Has more fiqh وَلَا And has more taqwa then who? ahmad ibn al It's إِسْحَاقُ بْنُ Rahuya Who died here 238 He said, أحمد Imam Ahmed He's a proof between Allah and his creation Ahmad's a proof from Allah against the people yeah, he is and we'll see why they say these statements we'll see why they said these statements Abu Thawr Abu Thawr was who? Abu Thawr was a student of Imam Shafi'i and some of the scholars they said he had his own madhab and his madhab perished him and Sufyan al and Al-Alauza'i, and Abu Thawr, and others. They had their madhab, but it didn't spread. It didn't spread. Abu Thawr, look what he said. He said, Ahmed ibn Hanbal, Imam Ahmed, A'lamu, Min al has more fiqh than Sufyan al Thawri. Sufyan al-Thawriy, nobody argued about his fiqh. Thaw- he said, no, 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 Ahmed is more knowledgeable. Has more fiqh than Sufyan al-Thawriyuh, rahimahullah. Abu Zur'at al Razi said, "Ahmad ibn Hanbal, al-Imam Ahmed, akbar bin Ishaq. Ahmed ibn Hanbal is greater than Ishaq ibn Rahuya. Meaning he's bigger than him in knowledge and fiqh. He's more knowledgeable than him. Myra Aitou. I never saw, ahead than a person, Akmalam in Ahmed. I've never seen anyone more complete than Imam Ahmed, in all areas of the religion. Never saw anyone, anyone like that. So the scholars they testified for his knowledge. رحمه الله رحمته الله سعى ولذلك الإمام الزهبي سير سير على من بلاء كان أحمد عظيم الشان كان أحمد عظيم الشان. Imam Ahmed al was great. رأسا في الحديث he was a leader in Hadith. وفي الفقه اللي هو زليد الفقه، وفي التألُه عبادة أحمد عبادة was good was great أستدعَ عليه خلقُ many people praised Ali Muhammad من خصومه <coughs> his opponents those who were against Ali Muhammad even they praised him فما ظنُّوا بإخوانه وأقرانه the then said, what do you think about those who are his friends? Those who are his peers, what would they say about him? If his enemies have testified to Ahmed ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, his knowledge and everything. And Imam Ahmed, his position in the Sunnah, and the way that he was when it came to innovation, and the people of innovation was very staunch, and he was very tough. He used to say, li ahlil bida', Say to the people of innovation, Bainana Innovators, between you and us is the day of the burial, the funeral. Because when the scholar of the Sunnah dies, the earth, the people, even the creatures and everything miss him. Because the scholar is the reason why Allah protects catastrophes and destructions to nations. Because the reason why Allah sends down uquba punishments. Is because of sins that the people do. And the scholar is there to tell the people to stay away from those sins. And bring it to the people's attentions. Are we all together? So the scholar is what? He's the one who saves the people from destruction coming. And when they listen to their advice, the scholar's advice. And they take the ad- the nasaih and the tawjihahat of the scholars, the land, the people, the animals, they get saved. Why did the Prophet say, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, الْحِيْتَانُ فِي جَوْفِ الماء. Even the creatures in the ocean, ask Allah's forgiveness for the scholar. Why? Because they can be in the ocean, and they can remain in the ocean, and they can live that life of blossom and bliss because of Allah not sending devastation and destruction. And one of the ways Allah does is by a scholar being in a land. When the scholars are in a land and they are there to help the people and advise the people, then that land and those people are saved. So Ahmad used to say, the day of the burial will be known who was beneficial for the people. And who will be of khair for the people? As Allah wa ta'ala He said <speaking in foreign language> The rain comes down The earth when it comes to taking the rain Is different types, right? Some parts of the land They don't take the water Some parts of the land They take the water Some land doesn't take in the water But it holds the water So somebody else can use the water But it doesn't benefit from the water And then Allah said after that, فِي The thing that's going to benefit the people and that's going to bring the people benefit will remain on this earth even when the person dies. When the scholar dies and he goes and he passes away, because he was beneficial for the ummah, when he dies, his khayr and his good will remain forever. And whatever benefits the people will remain. And whatever brothers that does a benefit, the people will go. So Ahmed ibn Hanbal, like every other scholar, he went through his trials and tribulations, because from the Sunnah of Allah Azza wa Jalla, and the way Allah is Subhanahu wa Taala is, in order to raise you, in order to make you become something, Allah has to put you through a test. You have to go through a competition. And Walillahi Allah is a great example. Like, in, even in this world, in order to take a, a prize, you have to go through a competition. And in order to take the prize of imama, imama, to become an Imam, you will have to go through the test of time. And Ahmed was tested. And at his time, he was tested because of the concept of the Quran being created. The Quran is makhluq. The Quran is created. And Ahmed took a very strong position. And he refused to give in. And he said that the Qur'an, Wallah, is not created. It's the speech of Allah Azza wa Jalla. And at that time, the scholars were being tested. You see, they were not allowed to be silent. The leader was saying, is the Qur'an created? Yes or no? That's the test. There's no beat. There's no getting away from it. Ahmed, Rahimahullah, looked around. And what he saw was, the people were writing. They were looking at his mouth. And... He has pressure put on him from the, the government And the people are looking at him They want to write what he says If he doesn't say The Quran is created He will go to prison And he will go through a very hard and tough consequences And if he says that the Quran is created These people are going to write that And they're going to document it And they're going to say This is the belief of, uh, of Ahl Sunnah So Ahmed thought Deeply. And he chose to say that the Qur'an is not created. And as soon as he said that. Others were killed in prison. Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala. He got taken into prison. And the leader at that time. He commanded Ahmed to be given a set of lashes daily. And he said. And Ahmed did not crack. Nor did he change his position nor did he stop saying that the Quran is the speech of Allah until the leader thought why is this man not cracking so he came down himself to the place and he beat Ahmed to his own and Ahmed would not change from his position that the Quran is not created some of the stories that were mentioned was Ahmed said one day I was sitting thinking about My situation. I saw a Bedouin man walking from far. And he came to me. And he said to him. And he said yes I am. I am Ahmed Ibn Hanbal. He said do you love Allah and his messenger? Ahmed said I love Allah and his messenger. And then he said to him. If you love Allah and his messenger. Then all that you're going to go through is You might get killed For holding your position on this belief But you will meet the one you love Allah and his messenger Ahmed then said I used to be one Who remembers the speech of that Bedouin man whenever I used to get lashed It would always come to my mind It was a form of encouragement for me Another man In prison with Ahmed Ibn Hanbal He saw Ahmed, both of them together, and he said to Imam Ahmed, handle and take in the pain of the beating. Take it, accept it. Endure the pain for the position that you've put yourself because you're holding on to the deen of Allah. He said, As for me, I have a number of lashes. For committing sins, zina, what not? The government has set a number of lashes for me, and you know what? I get lashed, and I go back, and I do it again. And I get lashed. I've been doing it for the joy I get. How can you not endure it, Ahmed? Huh? For the statement of the Quran not being created? Are you with me, brothers? So, Ahmed, These statements they encouraged him. And the benefit that we take from this, brothers, is if a person is practicing the deen and they are trying their hardest, statements of encouragement can sometimes go far. It can help a person at a time when they are lowest and they may even leave the religion. A statement that you said, a word of encouragement that you said, you know what? Remarkable. It's a remarkable thing you're doing. Keep your head high up. Can help them at a time they would have broken or given up. And he helped Imam Ahmed ma'a imamati, with his knowledge and his understanding. He didn't say, I remembered ayat and hadith. What is it that he said he remembered? I remembered the statement of a, a Bedouin man. His statement helped me. So it he helps a person. Encourages. Encouragement is one of the best ways to push somebody. So Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, He died. He died, rahimahullah, and when he died, his janazah, a lot of people came. Khalqun kathir. The number of people that came to his janazah was so much. To the extent that the people, they opened their doors for the people to walk through them. And they also opened their doors and their houses for people to do wudu. The five daily prayers people were still coming to the janaza of Imam Muhammad. And the people, the passage and the roads were fully crowded. That people had to open their, their front door and their back door so people could go through. That the people could go through. All of what? Shiddatul Ziham. It was very crowded. Because he's a man. Who spread the religion of Allah Are you with me brothers? And that's what Allah does subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam. Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala. And he became. And got called. Imam Ahl Sunnah. He got called. Imam Ahl Sunnah. They gave him that title. If you really want to look at, into Imam Ahmed's life. In great details. The best book for it is طبقات الحنبلة by Abu Ya'la al farra طبقات الحنبلة is the best book to read Al-Imam biography. And if you buy that book, طبقات الحنبلة by Abu Ya'la, and the best تحقيق is the تحقيق of Abdul Rahman Al-Utaymin. Al This is not the son of Muhammad Salah al He's from the same tribe as him. But this man is a, a doctor from the University of Umm Al-Qura. He's a great muhaqq, great scholar of taqqiq, a master in taqqiqat al-Qutub. The best taqqiq is his one. If you buy that book, the first is, is, is called Tabakatul Hanabila, meaning it talks about all of the scholars of the Hanbali Madhab. Who does he start with? Ali he starts with him. Read it. He his quotes that Imam Muhammad said. He, a lot of things that you're going to find there, inshallah ta'ala. <laughs> now we're going to go into the students of imam Ahmed. imam Ahmed's students, there are many, but these are the most well-known ones. Abu Bakr al Marudi Muhanna ibn Yahya al-Shamiyu, Abu Bakr al-Athram Harb ibn Ismail al-Kirmani Harb ibn Ismail al-Kirmani, brothers He has a kitab in Aqidah, right? He has a what? He has a kitab in It's called Mu'atakad sunnah Al-Jama'ah Has a good book in Aqidah And the other one is Ibrahim ibn Ishaq al-Harbi These are from the students of Al-Imamo And of course from his students is Abu Dawood As sijistani You all know that Imam Abu Dawood, rahimahullah, he's from him. Imam Bukhari is a student of who? Imam Bukhari is a student of who? Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah ta'ala. So Imam Ahmed has many students. He has what? He has many, many students. And people used to come to him from all over the world to meet him. To talk to him. To sit with him. From one of his students is Baqiyat ibn Makhlad. From the students of Imam Ahmad, is who? Baqiyat ibn Makhlat. And we mentioned the story of Bakiyat ibn Makhlat in the tariq al-tadweeel sunnah, right? When we we're talking about the history of the sunnah, how it was formed and how it developed. Bakiyat ibn Makhlat, he came from what? Andalus. And he said that I didn't take a riding beast. I walked to. I, I walked to Iraq. Okay, I walked with my legs. Who did, he go to, who did he want to meet? Ahmed. Ahmed at that moment, where, what was situation was Ahmed in when Baqiyah ibn Makhlaz? Baqiyah left Adulis. Baqiyah left Adulis. He walked to Iraq. He went to? He went to Iraq. And then the first day he went to Iraq, he sat in a masjid. Just like this. In the morning Fajr. Who was sitting there? One of the great imams of that time. He was given a lesson. This imam was Imam Yahya ibn Ma'in. Yahya ibn al was given the dars. And Yahya ibn al-Mu'ayn is imamun fil jarhi wa ta'adeel. He's an imam in what? The criticism and the praise of the scholars. He criticizes narrators. And he praises narrators. He's a scholar who knows the narration. If this narration is weak or not. So Baqiyya ibn al when he came into the masjid... He sat down like everybody else. And he listened to the lesson. And then he put his hand up. Because <coughs> everybody was asking a person, right? So he said, what do you think of Ahmed ibn Hanbal? And then Yahya got taken back. He said, Is someone like me asked about Ahmed? No. He said, Ask Ahmed about me. Ask who? Ask Ahmed ibn Hanbal about your ibn Ahmed at that moment was in house prison. He wasn't allowed to come out, he wasn't allowed to teach, he was allowed to do anything. Are you with me, brothers? What amazed me a lot was Ahmed, even though he was put in prison, the leader came down from his palace. He beat Ahmed. You know what Imam Ahmed said? Imam Ahmed looked at his chains that he had on him. Abu Ya'la mentions this in his Tabakatul Hanabilah. He looked at his chains and he said, if the leader only took these chains off me, I would never run out of prison in obedience to him. I would never take my chains off. Allah, he said that. Rahimahullah. And even when he came out of prison, Ahmed. Even when he came out of prison, Ahmed Ibn Hanbal, he used to make dua for the leader. He used to. Even that the statement was What? A statement of disbelief to say that the Quran is created is a statement of disbelief. Baghdadi <laughs> Ahmed, rahimahullah, he used to say, "These deviates, mu'tazila, are the ones who confuse the leader. They're the ones who pushed this belief under him and made him think that this was what Allah and His Messenger wanted." He said, "If they, he took these chains off me, I would not run away from prison. I would obey him. I'm not allowed to." So, what did he understand, Ahmed, rahimahullah? Ahmad understood that the religion is not compromised. Like in the overall and general obedience of the leader has to be in place. Or else the land is going to be corruption and fallbar. Does that make sense? لَا طَاعَةَ فِي مَعْصِيَةِ الْخَالِقِ Just the same with your mother. You obey your mother in all of the things that she tells you. But if she tells you to do something that is disobeying Allah, of Allah, do you listen to her? In that particular situation, no you don't. So Ali imam Muhammad, rahimahullah, Allah raised him subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah raised his station, Allah raised his... And the leader that came after, brought Ahmed out of prison. He brought him out of prison. And he placed Ahmed in his house, and he brought him back all of his lessons, and all of his tadris, and his taalim and everything. Because what was realized was, he was a man of the deen, not a man of the dunya. He had no other alternative motive... He really was, this was Allah's deed he was trying to serve. And the leaders, they saw that they were wrong, and Ahmed was right. So, those are the students of Imam Ahmed. Ta'ala. Now, we're going to go into the Hanbali Madhab. What does it stand on? Okay, the first one is the Madhab stands on questions that were put to Imam Ahmed. And if you go to books that are called Masai al-Khalal, for example. And books like that, you will see that Ahmed ibn Hanbal's questions that were put to him, and the answers that he gave. In there there are his fatwas, in there are principles that he gives, and etc. That's the first important thing that the Hanbali Madhab stands on. The second one is the extraction on his Ha? Ha? You're hungry? Okay. Number two, the extraction on his rulings. The means what? Ahmed gave what? Ahmed gave verdicts. He gave fatwas. Those fatwas are going to be taken and they're going to be applied on what? They're going to be applied on other situations. That's the second thing that the Hanbali Madhab stands on. The third thing that it stands on is Ijtihadat ulama'il Madhab. The scholars of the Madhab they do Ijtihad, the independent reasoning. And we'll speak about that in more details, inshallah, soon. But before we mention that, you have to break the Hanbali madhab into three levels. You have to learn this, brothers. The Hanbali madhab is how many tabaqah? Write this down. The Hanbali madhab is what? Three levels. How many levels? Three levels. Three tabaqat. The first one is al-mutakaddimun, wal-mutawassitun, wal-mutaakhirun. The first one is Al Mutakadimun. Then it's what? Al mutawassitun And then the third one is Al Mutaachirun. The متقدمون are the earliest, the mutawassitun are the middle, and the mutachirun are the late. The Hambril Madhab, you have to know these three طبقات these three levels, these three stages. The first one is from Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal's time. From whose time? Ahmed. It's from the time of Imam Ahmed. Okay. In there, there are prominent scholars that we need to mention their names. In this level is Al-Khalal. Write down Al-Khalal. Who died in the year 310. So in here you have to know names that are in here. Ahmed Rahimullah is in there, of course. That's the Imam of the Madhab. In there is Khalal. He's in the early stages. The Mutakaddimun. Khalal. You have to know him. He died in the year 311. In the first is Al-Khiraqi. And I'm going to mention that. Who died in the year 334. الخراقي الخراقي وده 334. he has a كتاب called مختصر. it's a summarized book. مختصر الخراقي is مختصر الخراقي is the كتاب ابن قدامى the كتاب المغني. the كتاب المغني is شرح of مختصر. <coughs> also, in there is Al Hassan Muhammad who died here 403. In here, in Mutakadimun, is who? Al Hassan Ibn Muhammad. He has a kitab called Tahadibul Ajwibah. He has a kitab called Tahadibul Ajwibah. He died here 403. This is the Mutakadimun. If you hear these scholars' names, what are we talking about? We're talking about the mutaqaddimun. These are the early scholars. Then we have the mutawassitun, the middle. Are we all together? Remember, it's different upon how to organize it and whatnot, not, and who's who, but I just want, I don't want to confuse you, if you look at Ibn Badran, he mentioned something, I love the call of Sheikh Bakr Abu Zayd mentions in his kitab, Al-Mathal uh, Like mufassal The point is that they all mention who is the mutaqaddimun, they differ on, who, who should they take out. Are we all together? The mutawasitun, they differ. in the mutaakhirun, they differ. So what I just want you to remember is the figureheads who are in there. That's it. I When does it start and when does it end? They differ amongst themselves. The second stage is... Um, The figureheads that are in here is Al Qadi Abu Yala. Al Qadi Abu Yala. This is the scholar that I mentioned to you. He wrote the Kitab Tabakat al Harabila. Al Qadi Abu Al Qadi Abu Yala. He's in that. Al Qadi Abu Yala. Also, in there is Abu Al Khattab. أبو الخطاب الكلوداني رحمه الله. أبو الخطاب الكلوداني رحمه الله. Also in that level is الوفاء بن عقيل رحمه الله تعالى. أبو الوفاء بن عقيل. Okay, let's just push this a bit back. Okay, here is also Abu Al Wafa. Abu Al-Wafah, ibn Al Aqil. who died the year five hundred thirteen. Also Ibn Al jawzi rahimahullah. Ibn Ibn Al jawzi who died the year five hundred ninety. 7 Ibn Qudama Ibn Qudama Also Abu al-Barakat ibn Tayla ibn Taymiyyah's grandfather Abu al-Barakat Ibn Taymiyyah. So I mentioned here Ibn uh, al-Jawzi I mentioned Ibn Qudama I mentioned uh, Ibn Taymiyyah Ibn Taymiyyah al Jad Ibn Taymiyyah al Jad means Ibn Taymiyyah the grandfather the grandfather one is called what? Ibn Taymiyyah al Hafid right? Hafid means the grandson Abu Barakat Ibn Taymiyyah are we all together those are and last but not least in there is uh, Ibn Hamdan and Burhan Ibn Muflih Ibn Hamdall, uh, Burhan al This is the middle stage now. All these figureheads, you just remember their names, and these people are in the mutawassitun. Then you have the last, the last one, which is al-mutaakhirun. Again, brothers. Just to put this out for you all, this is not verbatim. There are differences. Some may put this one into here, and some may take it from here, and some may put it here, and some may. P- it's different upon who's from the mutawassitun and muta'akhirun and the, But it's just a sketch, it's an idea. Here, the muta'akhirun. And I really want you guys to focus highly on the muta'akhirun because the Hanabila of today, they generally do not leave this stage. The of today that you're seeing rarely take a step above this and talk about this or study this. They're really in this scope. This is where they are. This is where they do their i'tikaf. This is where they spend their life studying fiqh. Well, the fiqh of the halabila today 80% or 90% of it is from here. And it's three people. Let's make it even more, four, to be precise. It's four people. The first one is Al-Mardawi Sahib Al-Insaf The second one is uh, Ibn Najjar The third one is Al-Hajjawi And the fourth one is Al-Buhuti Masood al-Idris al-Buhuti. The first one is al-Mardawi, rahimahullah. Al-Mardawi. Who died in 885. Who authored the Kitab al-Insaf. The second one is Ibn al-Najjar. Are we all together, brothers? Then it's al-Hajjawi. Ibn al-Najjar died in 970. Two. And then al-Hajjawi is 968. And the last but not least is Mançour al-Buhuti. Mançour al-Buhuti, they call him, they call him the, uh, they call him آخر المحققين. They call him the last muhakkak of this madhab. Are we all together, brothers? So you don't see the Hanabila today go through the books of. Uh, other than these these imams, whatever they done ta'q Rather, listen, pay attention to this. Mardawi, al mardawi is the Imam of taqiq. Anything he authenticated, the madha becomes it. Well, Muhammad do you guys know who he is? Sheikh Muhammad al Uthaymin. Huh? The book that Ibn Uthaymin used to read, he read it so many times that the pages peeled out. The the numbers, and everything went is the Kitab al insaf by Mardawi. Sheikh gave his heart and his mind to this book, the Kitab al insaf written by Mardawi. Sheikh Abdullah Shweiger said this to me that he stuck with this book, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Salih Al-Uthaymi, inside out. رحمه رحمة so for them, Mardawi is the, it's him. Who is it? It's him. Yes. Mardawi is the one. And if you look at Ibn Najjar, Ibn Najjar and Hajawiyu, both of them, they serve the works of Mardawi. They're the students, so they serve the works. And Buhuti, he's called, I said sorry, he's called Akhir al Muhaqqiqin. Now they call him Sharih al Madhab. Masur ibn Idris al Buhuti is the explainer. He explains those books. What did he do? Masur ibn Idris al Buhuti. He does shuruhat and explanation on it. Are we all together, brothers? Now I want to mention something, which is, pay attention to this, brothers. Is um, a series because remember we said we're going to after we mentioned the madhab like this, we're going to go into the books, right? The books that are very important within the (coughs) madhab. ...that are very like great, and it's big, is the, the following books written by Ibn, Qay- Ibn Qudama. Write these books, they're very important that you know them. The books are Al-Umda. The Kitab Al-Umda is the first book written by... So we're talking about how many books? In this order. In what order, brothers? In this order. Brothers, pay attention to this. What's it, what's it called, the first one? Kitab al-Umda. Written by Ibn Qudama. Ibn Qudama al book. Okay, don't confuse it with Umda al-Hakam. No, it's not. This is a Hanbali text. That's al-Umda. Then comes al-Muqna. Al-Muqna. Are you with me, brothers? Then comes the Kitab Al-Kafi by Ibn Qudama. And then comes the Kitab Al-Mughni. Those four books are in the order that we mentioned. The Talib, the student, he reads Al-Umda, finishes it, studies it, masters it. Are we all together, brothers? And then he goes for the Kitab Al-Mughni. Goes through it, studies it, masters it. Goes for the Kitab Al-Kafi, studies it and masters it. And then he reads the Kitab Al-Mughni. ولذلك، الكتاب المغني الإمام ما من تدرسين على منو بلا دعت الشيخ عز بن عبد السلام سلطان العلماء. You know what he said? He said عز بن عبد السلام is from the one of the one of the uh, أئمة المشاهدين. One of the great uh, imams. Look what he said. ما رأيت في كتب الإسلام في العلمي. I never saw in the religion of Islam a book like المحلة ibn حزم. The كتاب muhalla by بن حزم. I have never seen a book like this. وَكِتَابُ الْمُغْنِي And the kitab al للشيخ مُوَفَّقُ الدين. And the last book, al-mughni. if a person does these four books, how many, what are these four books in? In fiqh al right? And then he does one book which is called um, uh, روضة Nadir. What is it called? Rauda nadir By the author himself Which is in Usul al-Fiqh nadir Is a summary Taking out all of the Ilm al And Ilm al-Kalam Which ابن, uh, Abu Hamid al-Ghazali Placed in the Kitab al- al-Mustasfa Abu Hamid al-Ghazali What did he do in his Kitab al-Mustasfa? Which is Usul al-Fiqh Book He Ilm al And Ilm al-Kalam Which is not part of Usul al-Fiqh Ibn Qudama. What did he do? He got rid of that. He purified it, and he brought it into this book called what? Raudatul Nadir or Nadir. This Raudatul Nadir, which is Usul al-Fiqh, and these five, four books. If you study, you are an Alim, mujtahid Mutlaq. You can do Ijtihad unrestrictedly. ولذلك يحيى Ibn رجب mentions this in his kitab ذيل طبقات الحنابلة he praised this four books with the روضة الناظر وجنة المناظر he praised it and he said كفى الخلق بالكافي وأقنع طالبا بمقنع فق عن كتاب مطول وعمدته من يعتمدها يحصلي وروضته ذات الأصول كروضة أماست بها الأنسار أنفاس شمألي تدل على المنطوق أوفى دلالة وتحمل في المفهوم أحسن محملي those four books كفل خلقي بالكافي الكافي كفل خلقي بالكافي وأقنع وأقنع طالبا وأقنع طالبا بمقنع فقهه عن كتاب مطولي وعمدته من يعتمده ها يحصلي وروضته ذات الأصول كروضات أماست بها الأسر وأنفاس الشمالي These are the four books. All of them are which the Fiqh And this book is in what? Usul al-fiqh. So you have Adilatul Ijmaliya and you have Adilatul Attafsiriya. You've taken them together, you have studied and you've gained a good understanding in this situation. Are we all together, brothers? Yeah. Now, insha'Allah ta'ala, I want to mention what is it today that the متأخرين, I mentioned what is the the scholars today the today that you see in Saudi Arabia in other countries when you go to the the courtrooms in Saudi Arabia and others like that because that, that's a Hanbali Madhab book it's a Madhab, Hanbali Madhab right in that what do they judge by about what is it what is being used here they stick by two books what do they stick by they stick by two books Talaha They stick by Two books The first one is Al-Iqna' by Hajjawi Al-Hajawi already mentioned for you Here he is Are you with me brothers? What do they stick with? Al-Iqna' by who? Al-Hajawi That's the book that they stick with And they give everything And the last one they give Time and effort to is مُنتهى Iradat by Ibn Najjar al-Futuhi. Ibn Najjar, Ya Ibn مُنتهى Those are the two books today: مدار الفتوة والقضاء. The fatwa, the كعب, the حرم when the scholars are given fatwa. Their fatwa revolves around the ikna'ah, and it revolves around muntal iradat. Does that make sense, brothers? Does that make sense? Huh? The first one is al-ikna' by al hajawiyu and the second kitab is Muntal iradat by Ibn Najjar. Ibn Najjar, Ibn Najjar al-Futuhi. اسكول منتهى الارادات منتهى الارادات الكتاب الاقناع لصبا الحجاوي الحجاوي الوتد منتهى ال الارادات, منتهى الإرادات. So if you go to the Kaaba today, a lot of the times if you listen and you've studied these books or you've gone over it, you realize that the fatwa of the scholars of the haram, when you go to the courtrooms, you realize this is the fatwa that they give. They give it based on these two books. Unless, of course, you go to the uh, Sheikh Rasulullah Abbas's uh, side of the haram, then he's going to give you the fatwa of Ahl-Hadith. Yeah? Sheikh Rasulullah will not give you the Hanbali Fatwa. Shaykh Rasulullah doesn't like tamadhub, following madhab, right? He's against following madhab. I remember one time, Shaykh Rasulullah and Shaykh Sulaiman al-Ruhaili were sitting together. Yeah, Shaykh Sulaiman al-Ruhaili is a Hanbali. He goes to the Hanbali madhub and he teaches Hanbali texts and... L- Are we all together? And Shaykh Rasulullah was asked a question about issue of madhub and whatnot. He said, I believe Madhab is garbage. Sheikh like, Sheikh Sulaiman al Rahayd is sitting there. They're sitting together. The video is on YouTube. I was like, oh, yeah, Shaykh was like. Yeah, Sheikh Asiullah. Yeah? He said, Madhab is garbage. Garbage, he said. He said, follow the Quran and the Sunnah. Sheikh Sulaiman al Rahayd didn't say anything. It. He didn't say anything. Ah, Sheikh Asiullah like, is very staunch when it comes to Madhab. Even one time in the haram one brother told me he finished I think Sahih al-Bukhari or Sahih al-Muslim and when he finished he said this is an ijazah for anyone who doesn't follow a madhab. I give my I finished the kitab Sahih al-Bukhari and it's an ijazah Sahih al-Bukhari is an ijazah for anyone who doesn't huh, follow madhab. Sahih al-Bukhari is not, not a madhab book <laughs> from India. Uh, لكنه, والله, an imam, والله, an okay, um, we finished. We finished We're now gonna go into the last point which is Al Terminologies. I'm only gonna mention one which is al-mustalahat al bil-riwayat wal When they talk about riwayat, the hanabila, when they're transmitting narrations, when they're transmitting the views of the imam, their terminologies that they use, that's the most important thing that you need to know about them. the If you look at the other madahibs, they don't have this issue of glorifications of people like that. Other madahibs you find an imam Qadi al-qubat. That's why when it comes to the mustalahat, the terminology that they use for people is very little. They use more for what? The works and their efforts and the knowledge itself. Which is a praiseworthy thing about the madhab of the Hanabilah. And the madhab of the imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala. Whereas the Shafi'iyyah and the malikiyah and the hanaf, the, 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 they have... They say Imam, they refer to one particular person. And they don't mean anyone else. Hakada. Are you with me, brothers? And they say Qadil Qudat. Are you with me, brothers? Wahakada. Statements like that. The halabila are not very. The halabila were not even. As, as a uh, madhab, they were not about taking positions once they gained knowledge. The Hanbali madhab was never about taking positions. Once they gained knowledge, they were all about. Once they gained knowledge, they used to go towards a ta'abud wal ibadah, wa Like in the other Madaibs, you tend to find, like the Shafi'iyyah and the Halafiyya, most, the most of those two. Once they gained knowledge and they understood the religion, they went for positions. Or oh, they became khadis. So let's face, let's focus on istalahatul halabila. The Hanabila, when they use the word al The Hanabila, when they use the word al the riwayah They mean The statement that's attributed to Imam Ahmed If they say al they mean what? Al-Qawlul mansub The statement that's attributed to Imam Ahmed Muhammad What about when the Hanbali books You see in the word Al-Tanbihat al what do they mean by that? What does actually Tabi even actually mean? What does Tabi in English mean? Yeah, attention, bringing something to your attention or things like When the Halabi use the word At they mean nabbaha. It was brought to our attention by Imam Ahmed. Tabihat means, means things Ahmed ibn Hanbal brought to our attention. But how is the difference between that one and the Riwayah? The difference between a riwayah, riwayah is bi'ibarat sariha Riwaya is direct statement of the imam. in this one, it's ibara. the terms and the way that is being transmitted from the imam is not direct. Okay? It was understood from his speech. What about when they say al-awjuh? Awjuh means different faces, different forms. When they say the word al-awjuh, al-awjuh, الأوجه. What do they mean by that? Al-Audhu. They mean The students and the people of the madhab Their view, their statements The statements That are with That are with who? The scholars of the What about when they use the word We already spoke about that, right? They will mention that a lot They will say They will say and this is Indal المتقدمون. And this is عند. that's what they say. This is what they say. Also, it is important that you learn the difference between the word Hatta in and law, according to Hanbali Madhab. The word Hatta, sometimes they say something, something. Hatta, even if. Hatta here means that there is a strong difference of opinion in this issue. Whereas, in, it shows that the khilaf is is moderate. Low, it means that the khilaf is very weak. And it's that level. The first, hatta when it's used, it means, khilaf is very strong. In, the khilaf is, Okay, it's moderate. There's, there's a weighed out. The agreement and the khilaf are equilibrium, huh? and then there's low. Low is what? Weak khilaf. It's a what? It's a weak khilaf. Inshallah, Taala, we finished the four imams, the four great imams. Uh, And their madhabs, and their school and their books In a very summarized manner We've finished Alhamdulillah And this should give you an understanding Of any of the four madhabs that you want to study from now onwards How they work, how they are and what their books are and etc These notes that I gave you may not be something you understand the first time You may have to go over it ten times And if it does require ten times then do it ten times Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me as shaitan. And Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bin hamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka atubu ilayh.